0: titled this message God's healing glory God's healing glory and he's gonna do that today it's gonna be exciting James 5 verse 14 are you there this is what it says is anyone among you sick let him call for the elders of the church let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord And the prayer of faith will save the sick or heal the sick. The Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Amen. I believe the Lord's going to do this today, but let's pray this would go beyond just human understanding that his wisdom and revelation would be made known today so come on let's pray over the word right now Lord I thank you for your word I thank you that it is light it's life it's instruction it's correction it's rebuke where we need it and Lord I pray that today your word would accomplish all that you desire it to today I pray even now Holy Spirit for a great anointing to be released in this room come on church help me pray if you have Liberty pray with your spirit pray with your understanding ask for a mighty anointing to sweep in this room right now Holy Spirit come, we ask that you would anoint every listener within the sound of my voice. Give us eyes that see, ears that hear, a heart and a mind that perceives what your spirit is speaking. I pray, Jesus, the same anointing that was upon you, you were anointed to preach the word. So I pray an anointing be upon my life to preach good news to those who are in need today. And Lord, I bind the works of the enemy, he who would seek to distract, to distort, to confuse or uproot your word as it comes forward. Give us liberty today in receiving your word in the mighty, in the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody say, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated and remain seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have talked over the last number of weeks, you may remember in James, uh, there's actually five sections in the book of James that are dealing with the power of your words. How many know your words have power? There is death and life in the power of your words tongue James talks about how the tongue even though it's one of the smallest muscles in the body is also the most destructive or creative in every in, in every part of your body your words matter I want you to tell your neighbor your words are powerful tell your other neighbor your words matter it's very important you know, why, for example, do I have you declaring promises out of Scripture over the realm of your giving? Well, Joshua 1.8, is a principle. Uh, it says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it. That's your mind. That's your heart. You shall be careful to do all that is written in it that's obedience and then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success how many of you want in every area of your life you want God to prosper you and you want to be successful in what you set your hands to hallelujah how are you gonna do that well you need to obey his word you need to meditate on his word get it in your heart get it in your mind but the third part very important is use your mouth to agree with the word so we look it must be in your mouth that's why I have you repeat things to your neighbor because you're making declarations you're literally speaking things into existence as you open your mouth we talked about last week as we were looking through James a couple of the declarations and this is a review but uh, the Bible says that if you're in trouble or you're being afflicted what should you do one person got it. Okay. You should pray. Everybody say pray. If you're in trouble, which I'll give a lot of you weren't here last week, so that's fine. You get a pass. But if you're in trouble, if you're being afflicted, use your words to pray. The same verse says, are you in victory? Are you experiencing a breakthrough in overcoming? Hallelujah. You should praise you should praise praise use your words if you're in need pray if you're in victory then use your words to praise the Lord thank you Jesus sing praises unto God your words are important and then we move into a new category and you'll actually see two applications of the word in fact I I don't really have points today I have two main ideas that I want to communicate if you're sick the Bible gives you instruction you should call out to the elders of the church. Everybody say, call out. Call out. You should use your words to ask for help, ask for somebody. To pray for you if you are one of the leaders who is being called on to pray meaning you're a prayer leader you're one of our pastors or ministers you're a life group leader you lead in youth or children's ministry if you're a leader who is being called on to pray well the Bible gives us instruction you should pray in faith everybody say those three words pray in faith we're gonna dig into this and I I hope I'm gonna ruin some of your theology today but ultimately I want to land in a wonderful place where you're gonna have greater expectation for healing and miracles than maybe you've ever had in your life before that's my desire so if you're in need You need to use your voice and ask for help. Cry out. You should pray. And I'm just going to be very honest with you. If you ask for nothing, friend, that's probably what you're going to receive. Nothing. Well, pastor, pray for me. I have an unspoken prayer request. No, I'm not going to pray for that. I cannot pray for unspoken prayer requests. You need to speak your prayer requests out. You ever see that on Facebook Somebody, I have an unspoken prayer request then you know what you're gonna have unspoken prayers on your behalf nobody's gonna be praying they might send the the hand clap emoji the prayer emoji it's actually a high five emoji it's not even prayer did you know that and uh, you know it's not like God's waiting in heaven you know when we see a hundred prayer emojis then we can begin to move that's not how it works no you need to use your words you should pray If you need healing, if you need breakthrough and it's beyond something you're praying through yourself, then friend, call out for help. Call out for people to pray. So you may remember there was an episode in Mark chapter 11. Jesus was um, walking to the temple and as he was going by a fig tree, he uses his words to curse the fig tree he then goes into the temple he's turning over uh, money changers tables he's telling them this is supposed to be a house of prayer correcting all kinds of wrongs that are going on and the next morning the Bible says that Jesus and his disciples were walking by that same fig tree that he cursed and their disciples were stunned Jesus the fig tree you cursed has dried up from its roots And this is what Jesus said, Mark chapter 11 and verse 22. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Now, as we go through this, I want you to take note of how many times the Bible uses the word says versus how many times it uses the word pray for example okay Jesus said have faith in God for assuredly I say to you whoever says to this mountain be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes the things that he says will be done he will have think about this he will have whatever he says Therefore, I say to you, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. What are you saying? What are you saying? What are the declarations that are coming out of your mouth? This is very important, friend. This is where I can tell whether somebody's got faith to be healed or not. If somebody comes up and they just begin talking about all of their problems and all of their symptoms and all of their pain and how long this has gone on and on and on and on, stop. 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 What are you believing for God to do? I didn't ask you how many years you've had this. I didn't ask you how bad it hurts. I didn't ask how many prescription medications you're on right now. No. What are you believing God can do today? And what are you speaking? I'm not a proponent for denying. I'm not saying, you know, don't even say that you're sick. Don't even, I, I, I'm not in that camp, okay? Like, Jesus asked people, like, how are you seeing? Well, I, I'm not seeing all the way. It's about I see men like trees walking. Like Jesus isn't asking us to lie. But are the things that you're saying more in line with Scripture or more in line with unbelief? Because for many people, we're just like, here's the problem, here's the symptom, here's the pain, here's how long it's gone on, and we have very few words, and then we say, pray for me, keep me in prayer. I've just learned, I don't even like that. Keep me in prayer. You want to know why? Because it already tells me you have an expectancy that this is going to be a long issue. Keep me in prayer. But when somebody says, Pray for me, it's like right now we're going to see breakthrough. Right now that pain's going to leave your body. Right now that tumor's going to fall. I'm not going to keep you in prayer. We're going to pray right now and God's going to do something. What are you saying? What are you saying? What are the words that are on your mouth? You'll notice Jesus pulled this out of people all the time. In Mark chapter 10, you read about a man named Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was blind. He heard that Jesus was coming, and the Bible says that he cried out. He used his words. He cried out just like we're to cry out. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people began to turn to him, be quiet. Be quiet, he doesn't have time for you. But the Bible says all the more he cried out. Everybody say cry out. out. He cried out, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped in his tracks, bring him to me, and then Jesus asks him a question that is ridiculous. The man is blind. Everybody knew he was blind. It even mentions a garment that he wore to define him as a blind man. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Obviously, does Jesus know what he has need of? Absolutely. But what if this guy would have said, you know, Jesus, I'm just believing that the government's going to pay me more for my disability out here. Because that's how some people pray right now. Well, Jesus, I'm just believing for all the wounds that I've gone through, such emotional distress as a blind man growing up this way. That's what some people, Jesus wanted to hear from his mouth, what are you believing for? And he says, Rabbi, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus laid hands on him and instantly he received his sight. He cried out and he made it clear, this is what I'm believing for this is what I'm believing for you may remember another instance in Scripture in John chapter 5 there was a man at the pool of Bethesda and the Bible says that there around that pool there was a multitude of sick people and I want you to notice something nobody in that multitude got healed but one man one man got healed he was standing before Jesus and Jesus, again, asks him a crazy question. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Because there's people who identify with their sickness, friend. Well, I'm just depressed, and that's just how I'm always going to be. I'm just broken. That's how I'm always going to be. You don't know my family line in history. That's how I'm always going to be. Like, there's people who love their gluten intolerance. Hallelujah. They love being able to order gluten-free whatever. They just love it. They find identity in it. Well, I've got a dairy allergy. I've got a peanut allergy. People, People enjoy being identified with their sickness. Jesus wanted to know, do you want to be healed? And that man cried out, and he received his healing. Let me give you another one. Because some people are just like, you know, well, God is sovereign, and He knows what I have need of, and if He wants to touch me, then He'll just do it. The Bible even talks about how there was an occasion Jesus was walking across the water in Mark chapter 6. The disciples were struggling in the middle of a storm. And the Bible says in Mark six forty eight. you can look at this yourself. The Bible says that Jesus was intending to pass them by, but they cried out. They cried cried out Jesus who has authority over storms Jesus who has authority over sickness and disease he would have passed them by but they cried out friends we have to learn to use our voice put his promises in your mouth and cry out for help this is what moved him the hand of God on behalf of the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 2 how many know God knew that his people were in slavery in Egypt and some people might have been sitting around thinking well God is sovereign and if he wants us to be free then he will but that's not what moved the hand of God in Exodus chapter 2 in verse 23 the Lord is speaking now to Moses and he said it happened in the process of time the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel groaned because of their bondage and they cried out everybody say cried out They cried out, and their cry came up to God because of their bondage. So God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. That means that God gave special attention to them. Why? Not because he had a need. They cried out are you willing to cry out are you willing to ask for healing are you willing to express your need to call on leaders to pray for you are you willing to get on your knees and pray yourself for this friend this time of fasting and prayer we're gonna enter into is a wonderful time if this has not been your practice yet this is a wonderful time to begin to dig in okay I'm gonna pray about this thing for real I'm not just gonna assume God knows and he's just gonna take care of it no I'm gonna cry out just like everyone else who received miracles in the Bible so he gave them attention The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16.9, the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God is looking for people who are willing to agree with him, you realize. We just assume, like have you ever seen those videos where someone's like getting mugged or something's going on on a busy street in New York or something like that and nobody is helping you ever seen those videos it's like what in the world because everybody is sitting there just assuming well somebody's gonna do something and so nobody steps up to do it you can look around at a church this size and assume well somebody's gonna take care of the kids somebody's gonna lead a Bible study somebody's gonna step up and be on the prayer team friend if we all have that attitude nobody would step up and actually do these things and God is looking it's mind-blowing read the prophets sometime God is looking around Isaiah you're the only one that I can find who is willing to go for me Like, how is that possible amongst the thousands in the tens of thousands professing believers that he can only find one Ezekiel was the same thing I could find no one who will stand in the gap but I have you Ezekiel And God is looking to and fro. Is there anybody who's going to agree with me and cry out for what I desire to do in the earth? Well, I declare by faith that right here in Kona, right here in this place, he's going to find some people who say, yes, Lord, I will cry out. I'll hear the cry of your heart. I'll be one who will agree with you and stand in faith and hear your heart and release what you desire to do into the earth. Oh, my. You guys are quiet today. Am I, am I coming off too strong? Am I too hard, Leah? Do I need to back up? Okay. I'm getting hot. What's this temperature set at? We're going to turn this down a little bit. Is anybody else hot? Okay, here we go. There we go. All right. Praise God. The wind of the Holy Ghost. Um. So, if you're sick, we're going to call on the elders of the church. We're going to call. Everybody say, call out. You're going to use your voice. You're going to express your need now is anyone among you sick verse 14 James chapter 5 it continues let him call for the elders of the church those are leaders in the church those are appointed leaders in the church Uh, let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will save the sick the Lord will raise him up now I'm going to go deeper in this, and I'm I'm probably going to ruin some of your theology today, and I'm fine with that, but it's going to help you in the end, okay? So are you ready? I I need you guys to lean in because you may feel like I'm going on a bunny trail, but I'm not. I'm I'm intentional about the things that I'm sharing and where I'm going with this. You'll notice... That the anointing of oil was more than just an act of faith. It was more than just a symbol. It wasn't, a, you know, just a, a, a balm that they would uh, put on people, you know, to believe like an essential oil or something like that. No, oh, this uh, in Mark 6:13, you'll notice when Jesus sent out the seventy disciples. One of the things they did, you read about this in the Mark account, Uh, it says they cast out many demons and they anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So you see, part of God's healing process, even for those early apostles, was anoint the sick with oil and whether they have demons or whether they need healing, the Lord will restore them. And we've been given similar instruction in James chapter 5. If any among you is sick, if you are afflicted, then anoint, call for elders, anoint with oil. The prayer of faith will save or heal the sick. So how did that work? Is there power in the oil? How did it work that they anointed with oil and they prayed? In Luke chapter 10, it's the same story. The disciples, they go out. They're preaching good news, they're casting out demons, they're anointing with oil, and people are getting healed. And they come back, and in Luke chapter 10, in verse 20, they are stunned. They say, Jesus, even demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus' response was this, do not rejoice that demons are subject to you. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. What is he doing? He's saying, listen you guys, the only reason you have authority or you have power is not because you're so wonderful because you have greater faith than somebody else. No, the reason this worked is because your names are registered in heaven. Is because you're seated with me in heavenly places and he needed them you remember this this is the reason this is working is because you're my ambassador you're going in my name you have my authority you have heaven backing you in this that's why this worked bless you there was a man of God by the name of John G Lake how many of you ever heard that name what is John G Lake known for healing you know, John G. Lake began his ministry in Africa went as a missionary, preaching the gospel, praying for the sick. And after three years, he was so frustrated because he saw almost no salvation. He saw no healing. He saw no deliverance. Like, God, did you even call me to do this? So he moved into a time of fasting and prayer. Hallelujah. He goes in every day. Into a closet, literally into a closet. His wife is waiting in the living room while he goes into the closet, and he'll spend two to three hours in prayer a day. He would come out of the closet, and his wife would look at him and ask him, Did the Lord speak to you? Did you get a word from the Lord? And every day, no, I didn't. He'd spend hours in prayer. And as he continues on in this fasting, I think it was about day five, he goes into the closet. And that day when he came out, his wife didn't even need to ask him. His face was glowing. She knew that he'd had an encounter with the Lord. So instead of asking, did God speak to you, she asks him, what did the Lord say? He stands and he says, while I was in prayer, I saw Jesus himself walk into the closet. I saw him standing there before me, but Jesus didn't have any hands or any feet. And I said, Jesus, where are your hands? Where are your feet? And he said, you are my hands. You are my feet. You are my voice. You are my heart into the world. I'm telling you, everything changed for him that day when he realized he's not just a man of faith, praying in obedience. No, he's literally an extension of Jesus Christ in the earth. His position was in Christ and everything he did was as an ambassador of Jesus Christ himself. Friend, if you understand that, like people use that all the time now. When he said that, nobody was saying, I'm the hands and feet of Jesus. Now we got songs in Love and all this that are all about that. Think about the reality and the significance of that. When you lay hands on somebody, when you give the word of the Lord to somebody, when you walk into somebody's broken home, you are the hands and the feet and the heart and the voice of the Lord in that situation. everybody say position this is what's so important you want to begin to see breakthrough and healing and deliverance and freedom and miracles you need to understand your position you are an ambassador you understand an ambassador right then ambassador of the United States of America goes in to transact deals or legislate whatever they go in the name of the United States of America it would be as if the president himself was standing right there if the president could remember what he was doing over there. hallelujah um, now I'm just kidding um, <sighs> you pray for your leaders hallelujah just read the read the prompt okay uh, don't trip hallelujah um, <sighs> so you understand it's a good thing we've got ambassadors right so they can go and they can delegate on behalf of our nation or you understand I don't know if you've ever heard this stop in the name of the law Has anybody ever heard that I've been on the receiving end of that one a couple times that's right your pastor's got a past hallelujah but the police that Those police officers have zero authority. They have zero power, but you know what? They have been, uh, they've got a badge that represents their authority. And so they stand with delegated authority. And when they speak, there is the backing of the entire nation, the law, the Constitution that is coming behind them, backing their words in their declaration. They have authority. Do you realize when we stand as ambassadors for Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, you and I stand as ambassadors for Jesus. It's not just you and your good idea. Well, I, re- I got this memory verse. No, you have the backing of all of heaven and his power and his authority behind you. Position. Everybody say Position. So it says that you pray the prayer of faith. That's not actually a great translation. The New Living Translation, NIV, uh, most of our thought for thought translations actually render it the prayer in faith or the prayer offered in faith. Now, the Bible, there are moments where the Bible talks about you have great faith, you have little faith, you have no faith. This is not one of those. The emphasis in this passage is not whether you have great or little faith, then God can heal you or not. This is about position. It's about, position. everybody say position. Are you in Christ? Are you praying? You'll notice that there's, there's an order to this thing. He says, call for the elders of the church. Those are designated appointed leaders in the church. Guys, You are hard-pressed, and I know I'm preaching to the choir. You all came to church today. But you are hard-pressed to see miracle signs and wonders following rogue ministers. I'm just going to do my own deal, have my own house church, because I can't submit to a leader. I'm just telling you, ask for the signs and wonders. You will not find, because there is something about delegated authority There's a reason we have pastors and ministers, we come under an apostolic leader, we've had hands laid on us, we're a part of a denomination, God is a God of order and structure. And so you have appointed leaders, you have a body of believers who recognize God is doing something powerful in your life, we see him elevating you, and so you're going to have a position. You're an elder, you're a leader, you're a deacon, you're a life group leader, and all of a sudden there's an anointing that comes with that. That was a bonus point for you. That wasn't in my notes, but that's important for you. Are you in the body? Are you in Christ? Are you in faith? Now, can we go a little deeper today? Are you guys still trekking with me? The Lord took me on a journey last year. I had a dream, and in this dream I was sharing with a pastor about some of the miracles that were happening as we were receiving communion and I was telling him in the dream I was so excited pastor it's more than just a symbol there's actual power in these elements when we receive them the right way and I remember telling him so excited and it was like God was bringing revival through the receiving of communion the correct way You might remember I spent the better part of two, maybe three months just on the topic of communion here in this church, and here's some of the things that I that I've discovered. You know, it's like you had the Catholics for a long time. They were preaching, and this is heresy. This idea that Jesus, that the bread and the body, or the bread and the in the wine, literally. Transform into the physical body and blood of Jesus. It's called transubstantiation. We do not believe that. It is crucifying afresh the Son of God, and we don't adhere to that. But here's the problem In an effort to walk away from heresy, what we have done is completely stripped it of all of its power. No, it's not transubstantiation, but it's more than just a symbol. I think about this I, I'm married hallelujah and I have a ring that is a symbol of my marriage I look at this and I remember I'm married right it's it's a wonderful reminder it's a it's a declaration to everybody around me I'm married but how many know this is not my marriage this is my marriage and what I enjoy the best part of this is not the remembrance, it's not the symbols, but no, it's the actual fellowship and interaction and union that I share with this woman of God. Now here's what's crazy. Can you bring up that verse, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10? Watch what this says. The cup of, this is right in line. He's going to finish this and then he's going to go into teaching about the Lord's Supper. The cup of blessing with we, which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Bible quiz. What, does, what is the Greek word for communion? Anybody know? Koinonia. Everybody say koinonia. You know what koinonia is? It means fellowship. It means interaction. It means union. It means encounter. Encounter. Everybody say encounter. I don't know why. It's like like we don't want to be Catholic, so it's just remembrance. It's just a symbol. Friend, you're missing koinonia. You're missing the encounter that God wants to have with you in receiving communion. Oh my goodness. Why? Because, you know, we expect encounters when we come down to an altar for prayer. We expect encounters when we worship the Lord. But here's a place in scripture where it says explicitly, you will have communion, union, fellowship. Uh, You will have union with the Lord. You will have, uh, you will share in with the Lord. It's powerful koinonia. Fellowship with the body of Christ. Fellowship with the blood of Christ. You say, what does this have to do with anointing oil? I'll I'll get there in just a second, but trek with me. Are Are you still with me? You want to know another area where I think we've missed it? It's in the area of baptism. Again, we have taken, in fact, we'll say phrases like this. Water baptism is an outward expression of my inward faith. Baptism is an outward expression of my inward faith. Here's the problem. That's not in the Bible. Show me that in the Bible. It sounds good. That's what I grew up hearing. But you will not find it in the Bible. You know what you will find in the Bible? That we, in our baptism... We're immersed into the body of Christ, that we now have union, koinonia, we have fellowship with the death of Jesus, that's the end of your old sinful life, with his burial, that's the end of your shame and your guilt, and we have union, koinonia, with his resurrection, that's a new life, that's a new call, that's a new anointing. We literally become partakers of his grace and his glory and his power. That's a lot more. It's just an outward expression of my inward faith. Are you hearing me today? We're going to have a baptism at the end of the month. And I'm telling you, it's more than a wedding ceremony. It is a fusion of God's life into your life. Oh my goodness. You see, we in The Protestant Christian Church have two ordinances. Everyone say ordinance. The two ordinances that we, for the most part, have accepted and adhered to is the ordinance of water baptism and communion. Now the problem is we have stripped these things of its power and reduced it to symbols and remembrance. I believe it's a lot more than that. The word ordinance actually means it is a legal act, it is legislation, it is a command. And I believe that we, in an attempt to not be Catholic, well, I don't want to be religious. I, I feel like we've actually forsaken some things that God wants us to adhere to. Do you know, now, we, we call them ordinances. Anybody with a Catholic background, what, what do they call their ordinances? Sacrament. Everybody say Sacrament. You know what sacrament is sacrament very similar to ordinance but i actually like sacrament better it is a legal holy act that channels god's grace and god's glory i'm going to say that again it is a legal act a holy act that channels god's grace And God's glory now you've heard me define glory it's God's manifest presence it's when God takes a heavenly spiritual reality and manifests it into the earth that's what glory is so there are practices they would teach this is a legal holy ceremony that will release God's grace and his manifest presence so when we receive communion We're not just doing it in remembrance, but we're actually receiving the benefits of the body and the blood of Jesus. When we're baptized, it's actually a channel through which God's glory and God's grace is made manifest in our life. Now, I'm becoming more Catholic every day, friend. That's not true. You want to know what else? they adhere to as a sacrament, the anointing of oil. This is one of the seven sacraments that Catholics adhere to is the anointing of oil. It is a legal act by which a current of God's grace and God's glory are released. It is a holy act by which God's grace and God's manifest presence are released into those who are calling on leaders in the church to pray. A holy, everybody say holy. holy. You see, I, I believe that we've missed something. Some people, I mean, and here's, let me just give you some, some tips here for our Bible scholars and Bible school students. There's two things that you never do. Number one, You do not build doctrine out of reaction to error. Reactionary doctrines are faulty doctrines. You want to know where Calvinism came from? There was a guy named Jacobus Arminian who had five principles, what they called the principles of Arminianism. And to counter those principles that he disagreed with, there was a man named John Calvin who came up with the five points of Calvinism. And there's problems riddled all throughout it. There are bits and pieces of truth in both of them, but the reason that it's so faulty is because it was a reactionary doctrine. I disagree with you, and I'm going to show you why I disagree with you. That's not the way you form doctrines. You form doctrines not in response to error, but by highlighting and expounding the truth. This is what the Bible says. That's how we form doctrine. Now, the other thing that you got to consider is most of the the doctrines in regards to healing and the anointing of oil in the last 500 years came from people who did not even believe in the gifts of the Spirit today. So, I'm not going to look to cessationist authors to teach me about anointing with oil. Cessationists are people that they don't believe the gifts of the Spirit. And by the way, all those congregations are dying like wildfire. But the Spirit-filled, Pentecostal, believing churches, do you realize that we are not in decline? We are actually exploding all around the world. The church is not in decline. Look up the statistics. Yeah, you'll see stuff about uh, the Methodist church and the Presbyterian. It's all these guys who put rainbow flags in front of their churches. Yeah, they're dying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There are some churches that need to close down. But you look, and there are other churches who are experiencing outbreaks of move of God, demons coming out, bodies being healed. Why? Because I'm not believing 500-year-old doctrines that say the gifts have ceased. You know what they do? You'll read some of these commentaries, and they say the oil. It's like a, it's like a healing oil that you rub on somebody's scabs, and it will heal them. No. No. This is not Neosporin, friend. This is not Neosporin. It's not. This is not, listen to me, in the same way that cracker is not just a symbol of God's body. No, there is a present power when we receive that in faith. Well, no more than the water is just a symbol of what God is doing. No, there is an actual power in that. In the same way, do you realize that the oil... It's not just a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It's not just a medicinal treatment, you know, God's instruction for essential oils. That's not what this is. You know what it is? It is a legal, holy act by which a current of God's grace and his glory is made manifest. let me give you an example and then we're gonna pray for anybody who needs healing in their body I'm gonna dump that whole thing of oil over you <laughs> No, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that but you might remember the woman with the issue of blood worship team would you come there was a woman in the Bible who had an issue of blood in the nature of her illness made her legally and ceremonially unclean everybody say unclean now if you've studied the law or you understand the old testament at all that's a big deal if you were unclean i mean the bible had strict regulations for any woman who had a flow of blood like you can't sit on the same chair as me for a week you had to go outside the camp my wife has actually said could we reintroduce that I think it would save a lot of problems if I could just go on vacation for a week once a month solve a lot of problems hallelujah I mean God knew what he was talking about when he put that law together but you understand but it was it was the, the idea of clean and unclean you couldn't come into the temple you could not touch a man of God you could not touch the anointing you could not do things that were holy while you were unclean so for this woman who was unclean She was sick in her body. For her to press through the crowd and grab hold of Jesus was a big deal. Do you realize that in order for Jesus to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, He could not fail in the law in one area. He had to be perfect. He had to fulfill every letter of the law. Problem. An unclean woman has just touched him. He would have been ceremonially unclean. But something happened. The moment that she touched him, the Bible says that corruption cannot inherit incorruption. And it talks about our lives, for example, in First Corinthians chapter 5. It says, one day we will put on in corruption you cannot apply holiness to unholiness no there has to be a total covering there has to be the work of god that covers you entirely and completely that's how you're going to be resurrected one day this woman unclean touched that which was holy and all of a sudden god's holy virtue leaves his body and that which is unclean all of a sudden is made clean in an instant god's holy power manifests and she's made whole so think about this people come down for prayer their bodies riddled with cancer you have cells that are in rebellion in your body it's witchcraft it's unclean and we take in a legal holy act legal holy act and we anoint with oil we pray the prayer from faith in the name of Jesus as his ambassador And that which is holy comes upon that which is unclean that which is sick that which is broken friend when God's holiness touches that which is unclean something's gotta give something's gotta give and I'm telling you God's holiness is greater than your sickness your disease your infirmity your uncleanness whatever it may be this is power this is power This is not a ceremony. It's not just a symbol. It's not an act of obedience. It's not just an expression of faith. This is not just a healing balm. This is a legal, holy act by which a current of God's grace and His manifest presence, glory, are released into us. Hallelujah. 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 Now some of you might think that I'm crazy and that maybe I am becoming Catholic. But the Bible says that He confirms His words by signs and wonders. And if what I'm preaching you, to you today is true, if what I'm preaching to you today is true, then God is going to confirm His word by signs wonders, and miracles. He will do it. In a moment, what we're going to do is I'm going to have my appointed leaders come. And we're going to open up these altars and if you need personal prayer, you're going to come. And you're going to call on the leaders of the church. And I don't want to hear your history. I don't want to hear your story about how hard it's been or how difficult or how much money you spent or your identity. What are you believing for? What is the Lord going to do for you today? And as you share your needs, we are going to pray from the position of faith in the name and authority of Jesus. We're going to anoint you with oil as a legal, holy ceremony that is a current for God's grace and God's glory. Manifest presence in your life. We're going to see miracles today. I had people in the first, why don't you stand? I prayed for numerous people in the first service who needed healing in their bodies. And that's wonderful. And we're going to pray for every person who needs healing in their body. But I also had people that came up to me and they said, I, I, I have an unclean heart. I have an unclean heart. I've sinned in this area and I want it gone. And I prayed for that too. If there's anything unclean, when God's holiness touches it, you'll be cleansed, you'll be healed, you'll be whole. I want to welcome my prayer team right now. My pastors, my ministers, and our appointed prayer workers, I want you to come right down here right now. And we're going to get oil. I'm going to be down here. I'm going to pray for people as well. Where's my other prayer? Okay, yeah, yeah. Come in just down this way a little bit, you guys. We're going to open up these altars. We're going to worship the Lord. If you don't need prayer, pray for those who are receiving prayer. God's going to work miracles. And we're going to enter into a legal, holy act by which God's current of grace and glory is released in your life. So, Lord, I pray that even right now, you would confirm your word by signs, wonders, and miracles. I've been faithful to preach what you committed to my heart. And I'm asking now, Lord, you're going to destroy cancers off of bodies. You're going to reverse those who have you know, oncoming glaucoma and, and pressures in their eyes, Lord. You're going to restore joints that are out of place and are, are, are bringing discomfort. You're going to heal lung situations and heart issues and blood disorders and, and dietary issues, God. You're going, to, you're going to do this, and you're going to do much more. Lord, I'm praying that even if there's an uncleanness in our heart, an unclean spirit, or whatever it may be, that, Lord, this is the moment that you could set people free as we transact on a legal basis heaven's activity right here into the earth. Lord, stir our hearts. We believe your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Come on, if you'd like personal prayer, if you need healing in your body, come.